previously on Bacon Sale. Jake, look behind you! No! Oh, she's not real! This the Scream Queen is not real! She can't be her. I stay together. She, she can't hurt us if we stay together. Oh my gosh. Please stay together. It's easier for me this way. Guys, power's off. I can't see her. Are we all still here? I'm, I'm still here. I'm here. Joel? Yeah, I'm still I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I wouldn't leave you. This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Bacon Sale. Thinking about our younger years There was me and Kent and Jake We recorded on our lunch break (laughs) Now Jacob is gone and Zach is here We built a bacon cave and more We've got patrons now And we've got so much more in store Bacon Cell has grown a lot In the six years since we began I'm finding it hard to believe It's season seven The listeners loves what we need And we've had it right from the start So I guess it's time to proceed With season seven One take, one yeah. take, one take. Wow, I actually didn't know where that was going, and I'm so happy. It, just, it, it makes sense. It does. And uh, welcome to Bacon Cell Season Seven. I'm Joel. I'm Ken. And I'm Zach. And we are so happy to be back. Oh, it is so nice. That yes. month was too long. Very long. Very long for us. We hope uh, you were able to enjoy our social media presence. Zach was doing a great job with the yeah, polls thank there. You, Zach. Thank you. I only spelled most of the words wrong. But <laughs> wait a minute. I thought we're here right now, right? You're probably wondering. We're not dead. Uh, We're not dead. Elephant in the room. So funny story. (laughs) Hey, Um, I I lost some weight. Okay. Yeah. Funny story. I gained Uh, it. (laughs) So the Scream Queen killed Jacob. Yeah. And then we got. And then we got talking. And she's actually pretty nice. Yeah. No, she is. She is. She, she took us out for ice cream. Yeah. Which was nice. really which nice. Weird once she gave the tongues back. Yeah. 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 She yeah. took the tongues and then gave them back and the ice cream was just as yeah. good. Yeah. It was like in that in the, in the 1999 mummy. We're like, why are? Did you guys <laughs> sense a little tension between she and I? Honestly? We know you guys dated briefly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We Confession. Saw. We did date casually. Yeah. Right. There was no title with our relationship. As there never is with yours. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Um, she ghosted me. <laughs> the scream queen and you may think she ghosted me a different way you know we've alluded to that before straight up ghosted me well at least i'm glad you didn't break up with her because otherwise that may have caused issues down the road yeah but i'd be a little worried sounds like if she dumped you then eh, we're yeah, probably okay it's, it's better that way you yeah, probably deserved it i, I definitely yeah. did 
But we're looking forward to this season. We have a lot of fun stuff planned for you, the listener. And also, we have a new patron. Yeah. Rachel Allred is our new $3 patron. Hey, Rachel. So Rachel has access to Pagan Bits, which if you are a patron, you already got to hear our voices a little earlier because we had a, a mini episode that we did last week. They're 30 plus minutes every time. <laughs> they shouldn't be. They're supposed they to be 10. They're, They're literally supposed to be, supposed to be 10 minutes. Be 10 minute things. They are 40 minutes sometimes. <laughs> 40, yes. 48. But welcome, Rachel. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we really do appreciate it. And thank you all, patrons. Patrons, uh, we really do appreciate you and appreciate you, the listener, for listening to us. Let's get on with season seven, because that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? We are talking about the best and mostly the worst of 2020 movies. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait. <laughs> Wait. What's happening? I'm drunk with power. <laughs> because my method okay. finally reigns supreme. You take it easy. That was too far, sir. <laughs> so normally, when we do this, Kent... Normally, I mock you endlessly. Normally, because the thing is, we talk about we, every year, uh-huh. every season, we start off with our movies that we liked last year. Yeah, generally, a year starts from January to the end of December. Yeah. Right? And so the movies that come out... <laughs> is that how in, calendars work? Right. Well, I'm explaining to Joel, because generally I have no, I, to. I follow the same calendar. I don't know what you're right? talking about. And so the movies that come out from then to then are the ones that I will review and you usually see on lists. But uh, there was something weird that happened last year. We don't need to get into it. We've no. talked about it far too long. We're moving on. But Joel has a method that we've spoken about ad nauseum. Well, it's just because Joel feels the sense of pride. Since the beginning, I've never felt tied to it had to be made mm-hmm. in the in the year for me to count it. Because you might see a new classic or a classic from way back when new yeah. in the current year. And that's the thing. Is I like watching older movies. I watch like, like watching newer ones. Mm-hmm. And so my thing has always been whatever movie I watched last year for the first time is eligible for this list. Because right. we're going to be talking about the top five and bottom five movies of last year, of 2020. And then Kent is, no, I am going to stick to the code of only movies that are being released in this in this rule I've made up for no apparent reason. Oh, it's calendar-wise. And it makes sense. If, if you, you look at every I do calendar-wise, too. It's January, December. I, so, But if I see a movie from 1942 and it's amazing, I'll be like, that's the best movie of 1942, so not of 2018. So we do our best of 1942 <laughs> show. Dance of 40s. <laughs> If you check episode 266, Our Claim to Shame, you'll find that there's really good movies that we haven't seen. It's true. I don't know if any of those made your list, but Maybe. some of mine are making it you know, next year. But I, I, have, I have here, Kent, that the first movie I watched in 2020 was actually Murder on the Orient Express, 2017. All right. And the last movie I watched in 2020 was Wonder Woman, 1984. Okay. In 2020. Yeah, yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> confused yes. And I, I have the distinct lines there. And like December 31st, that's my last date mm-hmm. I could put anything on this list. Yeah. So anything I watched past that? Whereas me and the other snobby Oscar voters are like, some of the most, some of the best movies come out on January 10th. Yeah. And they're still considered the previous year's release. But even release. the Oscars are kind of fudging it this year because totally. they're like, they're letting that eligibility slide into 2021. So, and it's Where's just your a precious calendar thing. now, Ken. It's destroyed, Joel, okay? Is that what you want to know? <laughs> yes, because From no movies came out last year. The last movie I reviewed on Showtime Showdown was The Invisible Man. Then you jump all the way to September, and then it's Tenet. And then you <laughs> jump all the way to Wonder Woman 1984. My year, and granted, we watch a lot of streaming, but I never really reviewed them. But my year was destroyed up until December 1st. 
And then the studios were like, remember how I was complaining? I'm getting no screeners because there's been about 15 movies that have come out this year. Yeah. I've actually got just as many screeners as I always do. Really? But, it, you know, here's the you weird were, thing. You were so annoying. You're like, ma, they're sending me no screeners. <laughs> I really was complaining. <laughs> I want my screeners, ma. First world Utah film critics problems right here. That's a very niche problem group. <laughs> uh, but it's all the weird, pretentious studios and foreign films that come out and say, Watch this movie you never would have given time to. I just want to bring this up, too, mm-hmm. because I just want to run through the top 10 highest grossing films I'm of 2020. I'm devastated already. I can't even hear it. Number 10, The Sacrifice. Do you know that one? What? It's Beijing and Light Pictures. So it's a Chinese film. Okay. Uh, number eight. Is this, is this is worldwide? This worldwide? This is worldwide, okay. yes. <laughs> we did the same yes. thing. <laughs> yeah, we put our hands out. <laughs> Whoa. Stop. Uh, number nine, Birds of Prey. You guys have heard that one, the yeah. Harley Quinn movie. Weird. Number, I'm not going to pronounce this right. Number eight, Zhang Zaya. Another Chinese oh, film. Oh, so good. Uh, isn't she in Spider-Man Homecoming? Yes. <laughs> Number seven, Doolittle. Oh. Number six, Sonic the Hedgehog. I, I mean, that makes sense. Number five, Tenet. Yeah. Number four, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaba, the movie Mugen Train. I like the prequel more. It's Japanese. I like uh, the game. Number three, <laughs> Bad Boys for Life. Uh, what? That Number actually three, makes sense. highest grossing worldwide. Number two, My People, My Homeland from China Lion Films Distribution. You guys want to guess the number one highest grossing movie of 2020? And keep worldwide. in mind, these are like worldwide. usually movie. They're, yeah, worldwide. They're, these are usually ones that we recognize. This is like your Avengers in Disney territory. This is that came out in theaters in 2020. And it's not Bad Boys? It's not Bad Boys for Life. It's The 800. Oh. Which is a Chinese historical war drama. Hmm. That's the, it's highest not the number I movie. called when I was 15. No. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. So, so Bad Boys is the highest uh, domestic. Yeah. Wow. And I, I wanted to give you guys an idea of what kind of like you, the listener, what kind of movies. For example, we grossing. were supposed to get Black Widow, Fast and Furious 9. These movies. James Bond. Right. These movies were meant to be the biggest earners and they're nowhere on the map. Yeah. Destroyed. They are. So today, but what we're going to do, we're going to give you the top five worst movies that we watched to help you know what to avoid. And then we're going to switch gears and go to the top five best, letting you know what movies are actually pretty good that you should check out. Yeah, because this year, even though there weren't many movies, there were a lot of bad movies still. They still managed to squeak them in there. They're like, <laughs> hey, they're going to make money. Hey, Trolls World Tour, we're going to make that premium video on demand. By the way, not on my list because my list has other terrible, terrible movies. That's not on this list. Was that made in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, was the it? first big success of premium video on demand but, but for 20 the, bucks. the box office take wasn't particularly right. good. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because it was, it was streaming. So, yeah, we're going to go five to one for both lists. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We'll go back and forth. Let's start with you, Joel. Give me your fifth, uh, like your, your fifth, worst fifth worst movie that I watched in 2020. Movie you yeah. watched in 2020. This is actually from 2020. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie from 2020. Uh, we saw it. We reviewed it. Oh, no. But it needs more hate. This, this feels sad. Artemis Fowl. Okay, oh, okay. Oh, I was worried oh. it was another movie. No. Okay. Artemis Fowl. This is a uh, synopsis. Artemis Fowl, a young criminal prodigy, hunts down a secret society of fairies to find his missing father. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, who basically has directed every Shakespeare movie ever. And then the live action Cinderella, which we actually enjoy. Yeah, and the Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and starring no one really. Colin Farrell, Josh Gad, and Judy Dench are only really known no, like big names here. Yeah, he looks and good in a suit. I felt so bad for every one of them. Like every one of them. Did you? I feel like it was elderly abuse for Judy Dench. <laughs> no, that's she didn't cats. Really, <laughs> both. Yeah. I think she walked yeah. from the sets of Cats to this no, one. And, and we did a whole bacon bit on this. So I'm not going to dwell on it very long. This was released on Disney+. Plus. It was supposed to be this launch of this franchise of a very popular book series. But the, peop- the fans of the book did not like it. Mm-hmm. 
We did not like it. This has a, a Rotten Tomatoes at a, a rating of 8%. Wow. Not liked. More like Artemis Fowl, am I right? That's what the name of the movie is. <laughs> But <laughs> Zach <Thanks>, Jones <laughs> started early, huh? F O U L, maybe? Yeah. yeah, okay, I got it. Uh, so, and this wasn't one of those things where it's like everyone's stuck at home, so everyone has an opinion about something they're seeing, right? Yeah. This was actually bad. Who yes. greenlit Josh Gad narrating your movie? In a Batman voice. Oh, it was terrible. Is he the producer, maybe? Oh, and my he's a, gosh. He's a giant dwarf, apparently, so he's basically normal-sized. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Was, this movie is so horrible. But I felt like I was missing out. Like I, When I watched this movie, I was like, oh, man, I, I haven't read the books. I'm so lost. I have no idea what's going on. And then I talked to people who read the books, yeah. and they're like, I'm so lost. What are they doing to this book series? And even the trailer, there were like some scenes that were actually in the movie from the trailer. Yeah. I don't know what happened in development, but it got totally ruined. Yeah. So this is my number five. It's forgettable. Like, I really, I wanted to include at least one 2020 pick. Yeah. yeah. And this is this is your one 2020 pick? This is my one 2020 okay. pick. And so, Artemis Fowl. Don't, don't see it. Okay. Continuing on in 2020, what do you got, Kent? This one, I, I feel like it's mean and it doesn't quite deserve the number five spot. But when I saw it, I just was dying inside. And it's just not made for me, but it's Doolittle starring Robert yeah. Downey Jr. That was on the highest grossing, Kent. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> that means it's good. That was like number seven or something like that. So synopsis is a physician who can talk to animals embarks on an adventure to find a legendary island with a young apprentice and a crew of strange pets. So, like I said, Robert Downey Jr., you have voices of John Cena as a polar bear. John <laughs> Cena! <laughs> but you don't see him, which is kind of fitting. Uh, Kumail Nagiani <laughs> as an ostrich. Selena Gomez as a giraffe. Rami Malek, who's a serial killer, as a gorilla. And Emma Thompson as a parrot. So, a very big cast. Tom Holland plays a dog. Yeah. Like, they have a good cast here. Hold on. Did you just drop a Rami Malek as a serial killer? Just what? I, I don't know how that came out. He <laughs> is <on>. totally... <laughs> I, I fear him. But here's the thing. It's like modern references in this Dr. Doolittle movie. You have Robert Denny Jr. doing a Littlefinger accent from Game of Thrones because he's mm. trying to go for a little Irish but it sounds just like Littlefinger and he can pull it off, right? He's done Sherlock Holmes and it, mm-hmm. it's fine and he is a quirky actor with a lot of charisma but this movie, it's him against a green screen, but and it, it just feels so hollow. But here's the other thing, too, is he's coming off the Avengers wave, like riding high. Everyone Highest loves him. Highest he could be. And he's like, what's my next project? Doolittle. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Now, I have not seen this one, Kent. Who, who made this? It honestly, could be Warner Brothers or Sony. Because hmm. I wondered if it was like part of a contract at large. Well, the funny thing no. is, like, so I watched Dr. Doolittle, the like old Rex Harrison one mm-hmm. with my kids this past year. Uh, we did Song and Dance Sunday in the pandemic. Oh, nice. And they loved it. Like, I always thought Dr. Doolittle was kind of a slower, it's not my favorite musical, but it's got some fun parts, but they yeah. absolutely loved it. And so they were asking to watch this one, and I was like, ah. Look, talking animals are funny. This is made for children, and I think yeah. kids will be fine with it. But Is it, it made for children? No, because it's all about farts. The whole movie is well, about kids, farts. Kids like those. Okay, so yes, it is made for those <laughs> uh, kind of Downey children. Downey was a producer on the film, uh, but it was distributed by Universal. Oh, so okay. Weird. So uh, here's a famous quote from the movie, because there's famous quotes from Doolittle already. <laughs> he says, something smelled wrong, and that's coming from the guy who loves the smell of butts. That's, that's what an the actual quote says. from the movie? Uh-huh. Yeah. And the ending of the movie? That's Tom Holland that says that? I think it's Tom Holland. I don't even care. Uh, have you? Can I spoil the end of the movie? Is that it's, okay? It's been long enough. Spoiler alert for Doolittle. So they find a dragon. So this is kind of grounded in reality. They're trying to save the queen who's been poisoned. And they have to go to a, an island with a dragon what on it. What part of this is grounded in reality? <laughs> 
<laughs> Why did you have to give that caveat? Well, I'm just saying it is like an adventure where a guy can talk. There's nothing grounded in reality at all. <laughs> Why did you even say that? It's fun. Oh, okay. And that's the whole thing. It's just this fantasy romp. Okay. Basically. Okay, okay. Okay. So you're being, you're being yeah, facetious. You're facetious. Okay. And so they find this dragon at the end of the movie. He can speak dragon and the dragon is so angry, but the dragon would be nice if you remove something blocking its intestines, essentially. And so they remove bagpipes from the bowels of the dragon. From the rear. From the rear. Yeah. And um, it's that's a very long scene. And there is, um, it's very winded. Long-winded, I ah, will say. Ah, is I that appropriate? There. I see what you did there. And it, that's the whole movie. And you just see Robert Downey Jr. just being blown by this massive wind. And you're just like, I, no, no. And that is how I felt after watching this movie as well. I couldn't even enjoy it. I'll say okay. that. I wanted it to be so bad it was good, but it's just dull. Okay. You know who loved this movie? Uh-oh. Naveen Harindra gave it 10 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> so many emotions. Acting, everything were good messages. Were nice and great movie. Very enjoyable. Need more. Need more. Is that her name? <laughs> what did you say it was? Naveen what? Harindra. Oh, there it is. Okay. Naveen need more, yeah, clearly. Yes. Naveen need more. Terrible. All right, uh, Kent, do you want to give your four or do you want to move to Joel? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do my okay, fourth. Kent, do your four. fourth worst of 2020. This one was delayed like every movie, but was actually released. So it was meant to come out in February, came out in theaters kind of, but what movies really came out in theaters, but mostly on demand. It's called Antebellum. Tenet. Oh, oh. so this was one, this was one I kept hearing about like, yeah. oh yeah, this is going to be a big one. And then it, it went nowhere. Yes. And then it showed up on so many people's worst list. Yes. Isn't it just called A now? Yeah, <laughs> this lady. Is this yeah. the John Wick movie? No. <laughs> what is this? What That's is this? Parabellum. <laughs> this is Antebellum. So it's a horror movie, right? Uh, like a, like a suspense. That's what the trailer tells you. Is no? that the butterfly face one? Yes. Okay. So successful author Veronica Henley finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. That is that's the most vague. generic description. Yeah, that's like movie trailer generic. Topic. Yeah. So this is Janelle Monet. The singer and mm -hmm. sometimes actress. She's cool. And she stars as this author in modern day, but is sometimes, and this is what the trailer shows, I don't want to ruin too much, but it's, it's sometimes trailer. transported to the Civil War South, basically, where mm -hmm. she is a slave. But she knows it. Like she has knowledge of modern day and the suffering that she's going through. So she's at like that quantum point. leaping back into the Civil That's War. That's kind of what it implies. Talk about shows that need a reboot. Oh, no, we've gone there. No, we've even, gone there. Even the past. I know the movie is meant to be twisted. This is co coming from the studio who brought us Get Out. And but that's what the trailer shows us. Yeah, it's not a horror from movie. a producer who was kind of on Get Out. But Jordan Peele had nothing to do with this at all. And it is not a horror at all. It's horrific things that happen in this movie because okay. there's so much suffering. It's almost like the passion levels of like abuse Ooh. that go in here. And you're kind of like. That's weird because they transition from that to modern day where it's like but, uh, like a fun girls' night comedy. It, it, the, the transition is super, super weird. Is that because I'm wondering why people don't like it so much? Like what's wrong with this movie? It is, is so is it that the, it's the, indulgent like the camera shots. It's trying to be like, hey, we're good filmmakers, but we actually just stole this plot from seven other movies. Hmm. And when you see this movie, finally, if you ever do, you're going to be like, oh, OK, you try to make that a thing now. That didn't work the first time around. And so it's in. You're not going to spoil it? I'm not going to spoil it. Tell me after. Okay, I'll tell I'm you after. Watch it. But remember when I saw Serenity last year with Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. Hashtag not my Serenity. Yeah. This, is, this is the Serenity of this year. Oh, okay. This is so, at the end, laughably bad. 
that I just want to get away I from. Definitely it. want you to spoil this for me after. Okay. <laughs> Did it bomb? Hated it. Yeah, it totally bombed. Okay. Joel, uh, what do you have for four? One of my favorite, speaking of horror movies, one of my favorite horror movies is Joyride, starring Steve Zahn, Lily Sophie. Which is so funny. Guilty, guilty yeah, pleasure? it's one of those dumb ones that I'm like, this is so stupid. Is Spider-Man like, in that one? No, it's uh, Paul Walker is in that one. Because oh, there's another Joyride that Tobey Maguire is in, I think. Is there? Yeah, it's weird. Oh. Anyway. Uh, so when I saw this movie starring another movie starring Lily Sobieski and Steve Zahn and Danny Glover, I went, well, this is intriguing. It's 2009 and it's a movie called Night Train. Oh, you told me about this one. <laughs> so here's the Are you going to spoil these movies, by the way? I don't know. This one is okay. one. 2009. They shouldn't watch them. Like the, the best, I don't want to spoil her. But the worst, I'm like, I don't care. But here's the synopsis. Two passengers and the conductor discover that a man has passed away on their night train cabin. They come across a mysterious object in a box the dead man was carrying, and they all wish to keep for themselves. So this is 83 minutes long. It was a direct-to-video oh, release. nothing. Yeah. It's a direct-to-video release. And uh, this is rated R uh, for violent content and some language. And I did watch it on Clearplay DVD. So I think that's the only way to find it edited because who knows about this yeah, movie? and who cares? I don't know why Clearplay even had it. Wait, was... And why do you why do you submit yourself to this? Because I was like, oh, interest at one point. Zong. That's it. Yeah, I, I put it in my queue, and then it bumped up, and I'm like, yeah, Steve's on. I like Steve's on. I mm-hmm. want to watch movies with Steve's on in them. And then this movie was one where I, I attended a lot of film festivals while in college. I was a film student, so mm-hmm. I'd go to these, and you'd watch these these student filmmakers put together a movie on a shoestring budget. And you forgave a whole bunch of technical stuff. Yeah. Because you're like, you know what? They had an idea. They made it. This movie feels like one of those films. It's like, you know, the nephew of Danny Glover was like making a movie and he got these people involved. So you're like, oh, these are big names. The time period is not clear. Like at first I thought it was like a 40s kind of thing or something like that. But all of a sudden it's like modern times because they talk about like cell phones or something like that. I'm like, wait, what? what? Yeah. But from from the beginning, just something felt off. Like it's just the way it looks, looks very cheap and it just doesn't look right. Like there's something weird about the look. And the story starts off and it's kind of interesting because mm-hmm. this guy dies on a train and he's carrying this, this box and they look inside and they're like, you know, diamonds and it can make us rich. And then it's a question of, well, if no one knows he was here and we take this, no one will know what we have it. And so it's like this kind of like these three people are trying to come to terms on, are they okay with this? Of just kind of... Like a simple plan. Did you ever see that movie? I haven't, but I know the basic premise. Okay. And kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, this is kind of intriguing. And then it just gets so bizarre and goes, if you'll pardon the pun, Night Train goes completely off the rails. There we go. Because at the end, my jaw was on the floor when they, what they were trying to do. And then they end it in such a dumb way where they're trying to make it... I'll say this much. It starts out a very realistic, grounded drama thriller. And I'm like, oh, this is like Hitchcock. And then it turns into a supernatural laugh fest where it's no longer real and it no longer is compelling and it's just laughable and stupid. And they don't know how to end it, so they end it on this weird cliffhanger that makes no sense. So I highly Mm. recommend avoiding Night Train from 2009. So you rank things out of five stars? Yes. Uh, What would this get? This got a 1.5. Okay. Wow. This this was one of the things where I was like, you know, I started off, I was on board. Ah, Once again with the puns, but... (laughs) By the end, it was yeah. bad. Like, I hated it by the end. Lee Sobieski was so bad in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's a wonder you don't see her anymore yeah. in movies. Mm. Mm. But yeah, it's not going to be hard to avoid because you'll have to actually seek this movie out if you want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was on Netflix DVD. I don't even have that anymore. <laughs> yeah, and if cable was still around, cable late at night, but still. Yeah. yeah. 
And how about your three, Joel? My number three worst movie that I watched last year was actually made by Steven Spielberg. Really? I hated 1941. <gasps> oh, yeah. This feels wrong for some reason. That was made. I know. Steven Spielberg movie is making my bottom three. Yeah, so we this, had a full show about Spielberg. We did. Uh, episode 65. Uh, Steven Spielberg and the Raiders of the Lost Art. Wow, we had long titles back then. It's the synopsis. Hysterical Californians prepare for a Japanese invasion in the days after Pearl, Har- Pearl Harbor. Which sounds a little serious, but no... This is a comedy. This is a slapstick screwball comedy. So bizarre. Starring Dan Aykroyd, Ned Beatty, John Belushi, John Candy, Christopher Lee, Tim Matheson, and Robert Stack. That's an awesome cast. cast. It's a great cast. Yeah. It's Steven Spielberg. This was nominated for an Academy Award for visual effects because it has very impressive, like big sets, like airplanes flying through a city. Things crashing, things blowing up, houses falling off, things like there's a lot. Okay. There's a budget behind this because this came after Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but just before Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's terrible. This is probably why Steven Spielberg doesn't do comedies because he can't. It's terrible. This was written by Rob, uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, who did Back to the Future. Like they've done good comedy. I don't know what they're doing here. Well, it, and they do say, right? Like comedy is harder. Than drama. Mm-hmm. It's it's this is just sloppy. It's these sloppy different pieces of story all rolled together in one stupid ball, featuring some of the greatest comedians. And it's weird to see them just fall flat in their face because they're given nothing good to do. It's just annoying. It makes me angry when I watch this movie because I was like, "You're wasting talent." Is the, it tragic at all? Like near the end? No. It's it's slapstick the, from beginning to end. It's slapstick. Like just as just as a brief moment here, mm-hmm. John Belushi, his character is introduced by him flying into like next to some desert gas station on his plane, and he fl- lands the plane and says, you know, basically they're worried that the Japanese are going to attack them after attacking Pearl Harbor. Okay, and so he comes in, and he starts talking to the gas per- station person. He fills up his, he tries to fill up his plane ends up lighting the, the gas on fire. It goes back to the gas station, blows the whole gas station up. That's the joke. And then he flies off. And I'm like, that's it's pretty funny. Not, not great. <laughs> and so actually a John Wayne and Charlton Heston were both offered roles in this movie. They turned him down and they actually urged Spielberg not to do this movie because they felt it was unpatriotic and kind of mocking World War II. Oh, okay. Uh, which is kind of weird when you think of Spielberg now, but he doesn't mock World War II. Huh. But yeah, and Steven Spielberg did say at one point, he says he, he considered converting this to a musical halfway through. <laughs> and he said, quote, in retrospect, that might have helped. And he also said, I'm not embarrassed by it. I just think it wasn't funny enough. And it was not. This is rated PG, but it's 1979 PG. So there's like six F words in it. No, it's mostly just nudity. Uh, <laughs> a brief nudity. But they actually got the girl from Jaws to come back and kind of mock that scene. And instead of a shark, it's a submarine that comes up. Spielberg did that. Spielberg did that. He parodied a classic. Yeah. And there's a bunch of those little references in there in this movie, like kind of talking about those things. But I would say he's on drugs, but it's almost like he lost his muse because that was his heyday. I know. 1979 should have been peak Spielberg and it's not. And this actually made money. Like the budget was 35 million. It made 94.9 million dollars. Almost triple its budget. Mm -hmm. But I do not recommend seeing this movie if you if you want to keep your respect for for Spielberg. Don't watch 1941. All right, Kent, what's your number three worst of the year? 
So when the owner and operator of a luxurious island invites a collection of guests mm. to live out their most elaborate fantasies in relative seclusion, chaos quickly descends. This is Fantasy Island. That came out? Yeah. This came out in probably first week of January. Because I remember year. the trailer was like this supposed to be this kind of suspense thriller. Yeah. Right? Once again, Pitch is a straight up horror film because scary movies make money. They're generally made for very little. And then they make sometimes five to ten times their budget, if not more. Yeah. Most of the budget's on fake blood. Right. And so this one stars Michael Pena, Lucy Hale, Maggie Q, a bunch of people you don't really know or care about. I barely knew those names. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Pena, Ant-Man, yeah, yeah, funny guy, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is based off Ricardo Montalban, a uh, TV show from back De in the plane, day. Boss, De plane, boss, plane. And they do a uh, De plane scene. Do they? A few times in this one. Oh. And it's just, it doesn't, no, it's, it's so bad. So what it is, is it's a supernatural island where people come to the island and they say, for example, hey, I want to torture the girl who bullied me in high school. Mm-hmm. That okay. was in the trailer. Yeah. Y- yeah. So, hey, this movie just became Saw, and you're going to be able to torture her as she is, like, held prisoner. And you're like, But okay. in the trailer, and this is, I have not seen it, mm-hmm. in the trailer, it makes it seem like she doesn't know if it's real or not. Yeah. So, basically, it's saying it, they think it's all virtual, and in many ways, it could be the movie doesn't really go there. No. But you get your wish. Like, for example, these two guys, these two brothers, they just want to go to a party. So they wish they're basically selling their souls. They wish to go to a cool party. And wow, dude. And so they go to a cool party. Aim high. Yeah. One guy, one cop decides that he wants to fight in a war. And so all of a sudden it becomes That's a, his wish. Yeah. 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 And it becomes a war film a la Vietnam they- style. I wonder if he wished that in Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> wish renounce, please. Yeah. So, but this is kind of like a lifetime movie because there's a relationship wish. Like I said, war, saw, hangover, zombie, supernatural. And it has a twist at the end that I'm not even going to say ruins at all because the movie is bad. The acting is bad. But the twist is ludicrous. Like it, it actually becomes, makes a cameo. Yeah, he kind of does. <laughs> it makes it almost better because you're like, wow, oh, you really went there. You really tried with this thing because it was very standard up till now, and you wanted to make it that much worse. I applaud you for it. Can't wait to spoil this one for me after, too. I got to make a note of the ones you got to spoil for me after. Okay. The entire thing is forgettable. It's so dumb. I can't even talk more about it. Really, I hate talking about these worst movies because we're giving them more publicity than they deserve. Well, and I worry also that when we talk about how bad a movie is, mm-hmm. people will be like, well, I want to see it. Yes. It's like, when, oh, this just tastes terrible. And they're like, I want to try it. You know, it's just <laughs> smell this. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Don't smell Fantasy Island. <laughs> That's great advice. Kent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, how about your number two, Kent? It's a movie that I saw very recently because I knew it would be terrible, but I didn't know it would be this terrible. It's called Coffee and Kareem. And once again, Coffee and Kareem. Like, like Kareem like Abdul-Jabbar. Abdul-Jabbar? Yes. But get it? Because coffee and cream. This is a buddy cop movie. So wait, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not in he this? He is not in this movie. Okay. Sadly, if he was, I mean, it would be great. Yeah. So 12-year-old Kareem Manning hires a criminal to scare his mom's new boyfriend, police officer James Coffey. But it backfires, forcing Coffey and Kareem to team up in order to save themselves from Detroit's most ruthless drug kingpin. So Ed Helms so plays... So they're just leaning into this pun then. Yes. Coffee and Kareem. Yes. Ed Helms plays Coffey, the okay. cop. The bumbling cop who everyone makes fun of. And this 12-year-old kid plays... Ed Helms from The Office. Andy from The yes. Office. Yeah. Man, he's so good in everything. Once again proves, <laughs> why are they hiring this guy as a lead in anything? No, 
Ed Helms is one of those people that I'm like, hey, side character, great. Yes. No, he's the worst part of the office. That's no, but true. He, when he's a side character, fine. But then they kept giving him more and more screen time, and I'm like, no, Andy, no, we don't want more Andy. Stop putting Andy in the screen. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember when we saw the trailer for Good Boys, and you're like, oh, these are children telling dirty jokes. Yeah, I didn't like that. That is this movie times four. Because this oh. this twelve year old kid, there are one hundred and seventy one f bombs in this movie. Are oh. you kidding me? From the kid, this is a child actor. Yes, Scorsese. Legit. Who are his parents? Yeah, Martin Scorsese's his parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the f words. The things he says are they're the worst things you can think of of a child saying. I don't get offended generally, but yeah, I was, I was like, say, okay, most of this is water off your back. Why did, why right. did this one rub you? It, it, it really was like so maybe aggravating because the kid is just, I mean, he's a bad actor. Like, so he doesn't pull it off. It's not like you're like, ah, that's good shock humor. It's the kid is like looking into the camera saying horrible, offensive things. And you're like, stop it. This is it was by the guy who made Stuber. If that gives you any clue. Oh yeah. No that was had, a movie, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. They, everyone kind of forgot about. I generally have comedies on my worst of list because when a comedy doesn't work, it really doesn't Comedy work. The worst. There are no laughs to be found here. There's a lot of explosions. This is like Let's Be Cops that came out, what, eight years ago? And I hated that movie so much. People probably forgot about it. And it was just so forced. And this is that version. I I can't hate this movie enough. But Coffee and only Korean. number three enough. Yeah, this is number two. That's your number two? Yes. Yeah. Oh, It's wow. one hour, 28 minutes. So it's short, but it feels so long. That sounds bad. Yeah. That sounds real bad. Joel, over to you for your number two. My number two is going to be a spoiler for maybe an upcoming show, but I just need to talk about how much I hate Casino Royale from 1967. Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm I'm on board. So this obviously came out way before 2020. I'm a big James Bond fan. Be careful. Oh, then you should not watch this movie. This movie movie is trash. It's the pit. Oh. So this one is Casino Royale with Daniel Craig is not this movie. Put that out of your head. And instead, I want you to just picture this. In an early spy spoof, aging Sir James Bond comes out of retirement to take on Smirsh. And there are like six James Bonds. Which is the original Spectre. Yes, yes. From, from the books. Save it for our Bond show. Which we're Smirsh? doing eventually. I know yeah, this Smirsh. one. Yeah. Smirsh and hate it. So like you have uh, Peter Sellers Shmurs. is James Bond. Ursula Andress is James Bond. Woody Allen is James Bond. Is it because they lost David Niven like throughout? Wasn't he playing the original Bond They here? did, but the whole plan was they were going to create a bunch of different Bonds to confuse Smirsh and they didn't know. It was the title. Oh, I thought it was because they lost contract with him and so they just had to make it up as they went. I don't know how they got the rights to this. This this is four real Bond movies and they'd made four actual Bond movies. The fifth one came out two months after this movie. I don't know how they got away with this because it is terrible and it tarnishes the name of James Bond. This had six different directors making it and it shows. It is so uneven. It is so disjointed. It's like these horrible, dry, British slapstick comedy. And then on top of it, you have just nonsensical story. Like, nothing's going on. You know the scenes, the little, like, asides where in Austin Powers where he's dancing with Ming-Ti or he's dancing yeah. with, the, you know... And the scene transitions. Right. Yeah. That's this movie to me. It is. Imagine an hour and 45 minutes of those. And on top of it, like, Peter Sellers, uh, a comedic actor... Yeah. ...who I don't like as much after watching his biography... Nope. He hated being on this movie. He wanted to do it seriously. They wanted him to do it funny. And so he walked off the set. So then they just had to write him dying... And they kind of filmed this kind of scene that kind of shows him maybe dying. And they're like, okay, moving on. And like, it's just so haphazard. It is just, it's practically unwatchable. But also, 
I almost want people to see it to see how bad it is because it's such a train wreck. Yeah. But I don't want them to waste their time with it because it is 131 minutes of misery. Oh, my word. And it was nominated for one. an Academy Award. For what? For best song. Uh, Burt Brockrock wrote The Look of Love. Well, but yeah. It, it lost to, but it lost to Talk to the Animals from Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> oh, hey, full circle. Bring it back. Uh, and it, it did made 40 million on a budget of actually. So it originally had a budget of 6 million. I should save this all for a bond show, but it had a budget of 6 million No, that ballooned to 12 million. So double its budget, but it still made $41 million. And I have no idea why, because this movie well, is trash. Spy movies. Espionage was really popular back then. So, oh, but it was, you could really say anything. Funny. This wasn't funny. No, this was a terrible, terrible uh, comedy. On drugs. On drugs? I don't know, Kent. You tell me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up so we can talk about it less on the Yeah, show. thank you very much. Yeah. time there. But this is I, horrible. I feel bad bringing it up because like you said, we watched it. I watched it because we were watching all the wait, James Bond There movies. was something worse than this? Yes. I can't wait. And I'll get to it. Okay. But we got to do honorable mentions first. Yes, we do. Honorable mentions for your worst movies of the year. Joel, what were your honorable mentions? Uh, most of them are dominated by Friday the 13th. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, terrible. Jason Goes to Hell, the final chapter, or final Friday, terrible. Sharknado, terrible. The New Charlie's Angels, 2019, uh-huh. terrible. terrible. Dinner for Schmucks, I watched that, oh. hated it. And then Deck the Halls. These are all like old movies. One. I don't think any of those are 2020s, but uh, no. that was... Uh, Charlie's uh, Angels. No. That was 2019. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, just terrible. Avoid all those movies. They're disgusting. <laughs> so mine are Super Intelligence with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's AI voiced by James Corden, who's going to take over the planet. But first, he's going to see if he can find love for Melissa McCarthy. Fun fact, James Corden's never been funny. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> and definitely not in this movie. Wow. Zach's coming out of 2021 with some James Corden hate. <laughs> <laughs> the Grudge remake that came out in February. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that that bad? Absolutely atrocious. It's just dull. It was straight up jump scares. They tried to expand. So this was a sequel, not a remake. Mm-hmm. And they tried to expand the story. And it belongs with the other bad Grudge sequels. It's horrible. The New Mutants. We've waited for this for three years. Have we? <laughs> okay, we've been told about it for three years. Yes, there we go. But yes. Anya Taylor-Joy. I know, and I'm embarrassed that she was in this movie. There is a hell bear in this movie, and that is the climax here. They fight a giant a nightmare hell bear. bear. A hell bear. Oh, so it's a bear, not yeah, like something bear. a bear. Okay. Yeah, and, like, and that is the climax. They fight a giant nightmare bear. And that is the thing that makes the most sense giant in the new U.S. Giant name in college. It, this is Boom! <laughs> first of the year. There we yeah. go. This is the worst X-Men movie. And it barely fits worse as an X-Men X-Men movie. Yep. Worse than anything. Wolverine. Worse. Wow. Wow. I mean, considerably worse. Worse okay. what else than Fanforstick? That's not an X-Men movie. I know, but I'm just hey, thinking. Exactly. I'm just worse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Songbird, the pandemic movie. The quarantine movie that they made in like oh. a month. Not, Horrible. Not Ladybird. I will ruin that for you later. Okay. Songbird. Don't watch it at all. Make, put on the list of the, the things I will spoil yeah. for you. And then The Turning, which... There was Haunting of Bly Manor, which oh, came yeah, out on yeah. Netflix. The Turning was the movie that came out in January that was meant to adapt The Turn of the Screw, but it was just a horribly done. Basically, there are scary noises, but we don't show anything, and it's really confusing and dark, the whole movie. These Horrible. all came out in 2020. Yes. Wow. That is my list for honorable mentions. So now we're going Skip to our number one. Mm-hmm. Our number one worst hated movie that we saw in 2020. Yes. Well, yeah, you. Worst yourself. Him too. You in 2020. Yeah. Okay. No, but both worse we saw in 2020. What do you got? These could have dominated my whole list. These? These could have. Hold and the on. the problem is, I may be spoiling a future show on this as well. Oh, I feel like you're being mean. 
Friday the 13th, <laughs> part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. 1989. This feels mean, Joel. It's like Kent. an easy. So in October, an easy choice. No, but it feels my, mean. My whole list could have been Friday the 13th <laughs> movies. They were all like one star. I really didn't like most of them. But the thing is, like Jason takes Manhattan. Here's the here's the premise. A boat full of graduating high school students heading to, Manha- heading to Manhattan accidentally pull Jason Voorhees along for the ride. Directed by Rob Hedden, who also directed Poo Poo Papa. Quality. Wait, but how do they take him along for the ride? Because he's been at Camp Crystal Lake that has a lake. Well, let me tell you, Ken. Uh, okay, please do. Apparently, Camp Crystal Lake has an outlet to the ocean <laughs> that then leads to Manhattan. <laughs> but here's the thing. You don't see Manhattan until the last like 20 minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's 100 minutes long. It's way too long. But most of this movie takes place on a boat. It's basically Jason on a cruise ship. <laughs> but it, it sounds like a ghost ship. The, I did watch like I didn't binge watch these movies like all in a row. This is like one at a time. And I kept being like, oh, that that was terrible. Oh, mm-hmm. that was even worse. Wow. Wow. How can they get much worse Then this one came along? I got them all on YouTube TV. So a lot of it was, you know, TV edited and all that. Right. But this was still just gruesome and dumb and horrible. And they they started to break their own rules, Kent. Now, Jason has been, and this we may do a Jason movie down the road, because mm-hmm. now that I've seen them all, it's a challenge. I, I win. Um, <laughs> do you just you? put that out there? <laughs> yes. hey, really? I created yeah. the challenge right now, I and win I won. by losing. <laughs> but this was one where, in the past, he followed a certain set of rules to a point. Yeah. Like, he could he could somehow appear in front of him, but whatever. This one literally has a scene where some a character is running away from Jason, looking behind them themselves at Jason, like watching him as they're running into this building. They run into a building and then they get thrown out a window and then Jason walks up because he just threw him out of a building. He teleports. On the boat... I've heard I've heard that rumor. On the boat, he's everywhere. They, the complete disregard for spatial relationships drove me nuts in this movie. <laughs> You're complaining about spatial relationships in a Friday the 13th There's movie. There's another scene and I Did actually... Did Christopher Nolan direct this? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a scene where Jason comes up behind a guy and, and cuts his throat. Yeah. And they do it in slow motion. And the knife never touches his neck. Like, they, they do it in slow motion. And the knife never touches his neck. Now, I was like, well, maybe the TV version edited it out. I looked up the clip online. No, it's just dumb editing. And they, <laughs> it doesn't even touch his throat. And then his, his neck starts to bleed magically. It's just dumb Joel, editing. I feel like you're Love the wrong it. demographic. I This movie was made for perverts and 12-year-old me. You may think that, okay. Kent. But it it was the most expensive it was the most expensive film in the series with a budget of over five million dollars, yet it only made fourteen point three at the domestic box office, making it the poorest performing Friday the thirteenth series uh, of, the, of the whole series to date. And it has an eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. People agree this is the worst Friday the thirteenth movie. And this is a bad series. This is Jason is considered a legendary slasher. Yes. But why? So many just, and that thing is like, just the acting is terrible. There's a whole thing where they get, when they finally get to Manhattan, kind of spoiler alert, but not really. They literally walk on shore and immediately get mugged, like right then. And then they kidnap some person and, and inject them with drugs. And it, it's all like just, oh yeah, Manhattan, Manhattan's scarier than Jason, basically. And then they don't know their way around. So they're like, okay, wandering around. And they happen to keep finding each other and Jason keeps finding them even though they'd never been there before. It makes no sense. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm a little bugged, but that's my number one worst movie that I watched last year. Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan, <laughs> which I gave one star. Wow. Yeah. 
I'm surprised you give it that that high. It's, a lot of these things don't let you go lower than that. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kent, what is your number one of 2020? It's worst. been spoken about, but I do think it's worse than Jason Takes Manhattan because okay. this is a bunch of kids and fairies take a mansion. This is Artemis Fowl. Wow. The worst, worst. the worst Disney live action movie ever made. Wow. This is, this I'm is throwing out the statements. hyperbole on this show. This is big state. Now, granted, granted, Kent, granted. I could include movies outside of 2020. You had to include a movie within 2020. Yes. This is my only pick from 2020. Yeah. This but you're was- saying... That Jason Tex Manhattan is oh, better look, than Artemis been, Fowl? It's been a while. Or excuse me, Zach never. says Artemis Fowl. <laughs> right? Am I right? Uh? <laughs> Who knows which movie? But you know, we've talked about Josh Gad speaking like Batman and narrating the movie. But what about when he digs stuff, he pulls open his mouth, and he burrows pulls, through the ground. Pulls open his mouth like super big. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and then the dirt it comes, shoots out his butt. Comes out of his butt. Family friendly? <laughs> It's <laughs> it's there. What do you say? Uh, this is a big part of the movie. It's a plot. And this one, and once again, apologies. He dug a plot. Yes. Artemis Fowl. Uh, of my, am I right? <laughs> uh? And this one is built around this MacGuffin, the, uh, the Aculus. 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 Aculi. In the mansion the Oculus whole time. Quest. There is a fairy civil war, like an insurgency, that is just kind of resolved at some point. And there's this, the fairy lead girl hates Artemis because he's meant to be a jerk. This kid yeah. is meant to be a very brilliant jerk. In the movie, he's just kind of a, a dull... He's kind of a brat. Yeah, he's a brat. He's not a jerk. He's just a little kid. With, but that's it. He can't back but up get, what he says. But the thing I love about this movie, I can't even be sarcastic. I just got to say, the villain, what is going on here? It's this hooded figure that's kind of they shot on like... Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze set <laughs> or something that is holding Colin Farrell captive and says, you need to give me the MacGuffin and then I'll let you rescue your dad. And they, they find the MacGuffin and they just save the dad in some weird scene where they're like, let's just end the movie. I think this movie, but, I, I don't think there's a good movie here, but editing just kind of made this movie end. You, you call them a villain, but really they're just a set piece. Yeah, it's a set piece. Because at the end, there's no final big battle with them. You don't get a big reveal. I thought it was going to be a big twist where it was one of the characters we've trusted. Yeah, I have no nope. clue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember. They just kind of go away. Are there some pili- like pixie police or something like yes. that? Yeah. They remind me of the elves with attitude from the Santa Claus. Yeah. Basically, the, done the, worse though. Basically, the villain is the I'll get you next time, gadget. <laughs> yeah. Next time. next time. And then they're gone. And you know, it is cliche to be like, oh, it's a young adult adaptation that had one movie and didn't go any further. You have to wonder why they changed the source material so much if they do want it to be a money making series. Kenneth Branagh generally knows what he's doing with movies. Yeah. But I, I don't know what happened here. Not this one. Oh, so it's, I'm, I'm going to agree with you that it was probably the worst and, in 2020. And we did do a bacon bit of this one. If you want to listen to us just rant about this movie, go yeah. right ahead. It's yeah. so bad. I couldn't even go back and listen to that bacon bit because this movie angers me. This is one I did watch with my kids because I'm like, hey, look, it's probably made for them. Yeah. Like, let's see how it goes. My daughter's been reading like Fable Haven lately and loving it. Oh, yeah, it's great. So I'm like, hey, maybe she'll like this. And she, they both were like, what is going on here? This like, honestly, these these type of adaptations make me nervous for anyone to do like Brandon Moles Fable Haven. Yeah, I love that series. But I'm like, oh, if they do that wrong, like they should give it 20 years before the Hollywood greed kind of, well, it will never go away. Right. But the, these people making these poor decisions are no longer in power. Yeah. But Artemis Fowl, I absolutely hated. Disney was right to throw on Disney Plus because it, it is a throwaway. It shouldn't be a premium video on demand. But wow. Well, and that is your bottom list. That's all we have. 786Joel on Twitter. Showtime. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're done. We got to get happy. 
2021's got to start good. Come on, get happy. All right. Zach, did you have a like a movie that you just absolutely hated this uh, year? I didn't watch a ton this year, but Artemis Fowl it was probably my worst. I, I hated it. The foulest? Now, if we're going Joel Logic, my worst movie of the year has got to be just one of the Twilights that I saw for the first time. Oh, yeah. Because I watched, uh, I think I'd only seen two Twilight movies going into watching all five of them. I don't remember which one's which, but I hear preschool teachers love them though. That's, that's what yeah. they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that the, like, those have probably got to be it, but there's probably more to enjoy in those than Artemis Fowl. There's yeah, so I, much there is better than uh, I could defend Rift Twilight like wholeheartedly. You did. Yeah, you did. And I did. Yeah. yeah. I could not defend anything no. in Artemis Fowl. This is oh, really bad. Uh, but uh, luckily of this list, that is the only one that I have. Oh, I guess Casino Royale as well. It's the only one I yeah. saw. Oh. So I tried to avoid those. Mulan. That was on our list. Yeah. Those, those, it was, even that movie, which I didn't like, didn't make my honorable mentions because there were so many worse movies. Yeah. Yeah. That just did what, it was just unmemorable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the top. Positivity. Best, 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 best. best, Let the good vibes flow. Great movies we saw last year. Ah, okay. Okay. And once again, I was terrified of this list. I even had Joel reach out to me and be like, hey, are you going to be okay with a top five list? Because you haven't really like, did been top, proud of did anything. Five movies come out yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. And and you usually I'll be like, oh my gosh, I love this movie so much. But I haven't really been proud of any grand movie this year. And and to be honest, my list is B's, B pluses, A minuses. Whereas generally I will have three solid A's. Hmm. And is your list, is your list a, a good for trying sort of thing? Like good for trying, but I'll say this. At the end of the year, with all the screeners, they waited till the very, very end. There are some Really, really solid B pluses that have come out. Still no A's, <laughs> but I'm like grading like, on the curve. I'm like, it's like you're these dating movies life. are so good. I, oh, <laughs> I wish. So uh, I do have a like a really good top twenty of movies that I really liked. Yeah, but it does not compare to previous years. Where yeah, I'm so, like, so compared this to, is the mo- movie I would preach to so everybody. You still have good movies, just comparatively not nearly yes. the quality. Okay, yeah. okay. So my number five, yeah, is Mank. Yes, really? you talked about it on the show, yeah, or on so, the Picking Bit. 1930s, Hollywood is reevaluated <laughs> through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to the finish of the screenplay of Citizen Kane. That was really good. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So directed by David Fincher in a non-David Fincher type movie. Like a black and white black and white drama. transitions. This is meant to be reminiscent of the time period while scathing old Hollywood. Who's in this? Amanda Seyfried and... So Amanda Seyfried, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, that's right. I've always been fascinated. It, I didn't see Citizen Kane until I was in college. And that was at the point where I'm like, everyone's right. That was the most brilliant this, movie this I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. And even though it has dropped since then for me, so I'm fresh. still fascinated by the history of Orson Welles yeah. and how that movie didn't succeed the way he wanted it to. Because mm-hmm. that guy was 25. Backing a movie like that, this guy could do anything and then Hollywood wouldn't let him after that. Hmm. How Green was my Valley won Best Picture yeah. that year. Yeah. Citizen Kane won for Best Screenplay, but that is it. Yeah. And it's Citizen Kane. Yeah. People, people love that movie. So I never really considered, hey, I want to see a movie about a screenwriter who is involved with Citizen Kane. But David Fincher, his dad wrote this screenplay years and years ago as a passion project. And so in tribute to his father, he decided to make it into a movie. Hmm. And it, it's actually really sweet that way the movie doesn't feel sweet at times uh but i love like it really gets into uh william randolph hearst who citizen kane is based on uh, sort of, of on him yeah and charles dance who is like a brilliant actor and you hate him in everything yeah he's last the, action hero yes he's and really- tywin lannister in game yeah. of thrones yeah he plays william Crappy randolph ending. hearst yeah <laughs> yes uh 
<laughs> Good call. Uh, but he plays that char- this character in this movie to perfection. The performances here are so good, even though they are kind of speaking in the cadence. Like Amanda Seyfried, for example, plays a starlet who just wants... Amanda Seyfried is in one of your top five best movies of the year? It's the craziest thing because I've never cared about her as an actress. Mm. She kills it. Okay. She's so... That's, that's big words for This you, is game-changing like for me and her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, reconsider really? her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to call her. A <laughs> Facebook friend of her, but she hasn't accepted Can't yet. Can we Amanda Seyfried? <laughs> yeah, but she was amazing. Gary Oldman, once again, it's almost like kind of beside the point to say Gary Oldman was great in yeah. anything because he just is. He is so reliable. Yeah. yeah. But he is fantastic in this one. In most of the movie, he's laying in bed writing a screenplay, which he's kind of going insane about. And here's why I love it. It is a story about someone who accomplishes the biggest success they've ever had and people threatening to take that away. And granted, a lot of this is fictitious or presumed about. Right. But there is so much like inner turmoil in this story and family relations and just conquering demons in this story while having a and here's the weird thing the score is by trent reznor and atticus ross who also did so soul this so year. it's good yeah. it's good but it doesn't sound like a social network david because trent reznor is awesome yeah at, at doing movies and, and these two have always done david fincher movies yeah. nice but it, it doesn't yeah yeah well he's there's good. i know just the way yeah. that qualify that made me laugh yeah. but but it feels perfect for the time they're basing this on and sometimes if you saw another filmmaker make a movie like this with a the swipe transitions and stuff like that, like it would feel a bit hollow, but everything comes together mm. to make this pretty brilliant. It's slow and it, it's old timey on purpose. It dwells on scenes a long time. Is the runtime of this more or less than your description of it just now? <laughs> Slightly more. Okay. And now. Okay. But well, yes, that's my number five, Mink. I think I'm going to make a movie, Joel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be very similar to that, only it's the story of how Kent wrote the uh, teleplay for the uh, <laughs> fictional true crime show. <laughs> as a, I was just an alcoholic. You know? <laughs> Dite Mount Dew. So, Kent, it's a coincidence that you picked a black and white movie. Okay. Because so did I. But mine is from 1941. And now, it's not 1941? No. That was, I actually <laughs> was like, oh. But back on episode 269 of Bacon Cell, the Podleywood game, yes. we decided we were going to count up how many of AFI's top 100 movies we'd seen. Oh, yeah. And I, I you know, soundly beat Kent with that. Soundly by five? Yeah. Back sure. then, I'd only seen 89, but now I've seen 88. Um, <laughs> Wait, less? No. Or, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I saw 87. Hey, it's been a weird year. I saw 87. Uh, now I've seen 88. Brain cells have been lost. You lost some memory. But one, of the movies, movie. one of the movies that, were, <laughs> one of the movies that were, was on there... Uh, was Sullivan's Travels, and I did not know what this movie was. So I, I was don't. like, I want to, I want to, I'm interested. I'm, it was one of those that was 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. It was mm-hmm. on AFI's top 100 list, and I went, I want to know more about Sullivan's Travels, 1941. Jack Black, right? So I watched it. No. no. Here's the synopsis. A Hollywood director, John L. Sullivan, sets out to experience life as a poor homeless person in order to gain relevant life experience for his next movie, starring Joel McCree and Veronica Lake. And let me tell you, I kind of have a crush on Veronica Lake. Kind of? Because she's just, and apparently she's a, a horror to work with. She was terrible on set, mm-hmm. but on screen, fantastic. This movie, it's a hidden gem. Like, I watched this one, and it is it is dated, and it is cheesy, but it is unabashedly uplifting. Because the whole point is, like, this director who's made all these stupid, silly comedies, like, I want to do a drama. I want to do, and this is the name of it, I want to do Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Really? He, there's a book, a made-up book, a fictional book called Well, Brother, Where Art Thou? And he wants to adapt that into screen. But it's all about suffering and turmoil. That's where the Coen brothers got the idea from. Makes sense. And so he says, I'm going to go live as a homeless person so I can understand suffering. And it does not go well. It's actually kind of this screwball comedy about how what a stupid idea that is for him to do and how he's not going to get the real experience that way. 
But then the movie shifts and it goes from this comedic farce into actually a compelling drama where I don't want to get into what happens because I was actually surprised by this movie. It surprised me because stuff happens and all of a sudden it becomes this compelling drama. And the whole point of the movie is that, yeah, you know what? Dramas are great, but people need a comedy. And it started to kind of put comedy up there as like, we all need a good laugh every now, especially those people who are suffering need to yeah. laugh. And it gave due, it, it gave it gave praise to comedies. And I'm like, huh. well, thank you. And so it's this whole thing about, you know, it, it's it is a Hollywood story about Hollywood, and that's probably why it got a lot of praise back then. Hollywood same with Make, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But this one is it's a classic. Like it really is one of those ones I'm like, I think more people need to see this. Where did you find this? I may have got this one on Netflix DVD. Netflix but DVD. It's, it's I would like to add it to my list so I can remove an AFI movie from <laughs> You should. Yeah. Yeah, that's from how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this one so many. Uh this one, I mean, it's been called a masterpiece by uh historic film historians. Justified? Uh I it's dated. It okay. definitely is dated. Like it's one of those things where it's kind of like, ha, ah, we're but talking like, like we can look at anything through our goggles nowadays and judge yeah. them. But, but the way, back then, for the limit limited movies they had, was yes. it a masterpiece? I really story wise, it was really good. Performance wise, uh, story wise, it was great. Uh, Performance wise, fantastic. And it's just there's little corny parts in there where it's like they're obviously trying to be a silly comedy, mm-hmm. and comedy gets dated very quickly. So it may not be as silly to us. We don't rat- laugh as raucously maybe at what we watch on the screen. But this one is one that I was, and I, want to read, I want to read the dedication here as the very beginning of the movie. To the memory of those who made us laugh, the motley mountebanks, the clowns, the buffoons, in all times and in all nations, whose efforts have lightened our burden a little, this picture is affectionately dedicated. And it's just kind of, thank you, comedians, for doing comedy and making us forget our troubles for a while. Wasn't that a Steve Jobs quote? <laughs> it may have been. <laughs> hey, I, I could go for a movie like that right now. It's fun. It's it, and it's, thick, it's it's short. It's fun. It's it's a good movie. And Veronica okay, Light cool. Kent. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. How about your number four, Joel? My number four is from Best. the year two thousand. From the year two thousand. No good movies came out in two thousand except for Bring It On. Uh, another movie came out. This is like black, really, what movies came out in 2000? This is a black hole for movie, movie for me. I was not in the country when this came out. I really didn't watch it, but a lot of people did. A lot of people liked it. Academy Award nominated, directed by Steven Soderbergh. It's Aaron Brockovich. Uh, oh. Gladiator came out in 2000, by the way. Oh, I would kids. like to take it back. No, Kent's right. Stepping back. Um, so Aaron Brockovich, if you don't know the synopsis, an unemployed single mother becomes a legal assistant and almost single-handedly brings down a California power company accused of polluting a city's water supply. And this is, like I said, directed by Steven Soderbergh, who did uh, Lucky, Logan Lucky, um, Contagion, Ocean's 11, 12, 13. You mm-hmm. opened with Logan Lucky? That was the first one I had. People <laughs> love Logan Lucky for some reason. It's, it's enjoyable. Like yeah. It. Starring Julia Roberts, Albert Finney, uh, Aaron Eckhart. Uh, but this is, this was really, really well done. Yeah. Like, I had heard, I mean, she won the Academy Award for this one. Julia it's Roberts like won. the rebirth of Julia Roberts. This, yeah, this is when she, you know. For a year. She won. It was great. And then I was like, yeah, I hear about Aaron Brockovich, and this is based on a true story. But then I watched it, and I love these types of dramas where these kind of... Justice. Everyman underdogs yeah. end up getting justice for people for people who have been wronged. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to watch her outsmart people. It's Julie Roberts is so fun to watch in this movie, just the way she performs, because she is this kind of crass, uh, rough-around-the-edges personality, but she can't help but love her. And that's why yeah. it's such a good performance. Uh, this is rated R, mostly for language, uh, but it's on Clear, Vin Angel and Clearplay DVD. Did you buy Aaron Eckhart in his performance? Because he's like a biker. That was weird. <laughs> that kind of pulled me out from the movie <laughs> for a second. Edge, yeah. But this was before Aaron Eckhart was like known as Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll let this go. Uh, nominated for five nominations at the Academy Awards, and I, I think it's well-deserving of it. I mm-hmm. really, I really enjoyed the story and the performances. 
Uh, Aaron Brockovich, the actual person, said that this film is, quote, probably 98% accurate. What? General facts are, are accurate, but there are some minor discrepancies. They kind of change stuff for the Hollywood thing, but mostly there. That would probably be like the truest based on a true story movie there is. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm cool with that. Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't seen Aaron Brockovich yet, because I just kind of put it in the in the you know rear view mirror like, yeah, one day, one day. Mm-hmm. And then it came on YouTube TV and I'm like, sure, I'll watch that. It was great. Yep. All right. I've never seen it. My number four. Kent, your number four. From a movie about a Hollywood classic to a straight-up guilty pleasure, it's The Gentleman. I hoped this would make your list. You and I saw this one together. I yeah. almost watched this so many times, oh, Kent, dang and then it. I, I kept being told like, you to. eh, eh, because I didn't hear anything about it. Oh, I should have, because you we did a review on We it. did a bacon bit about this way, way earlier this year, or yeah. last year. This was before me. And it was just one of those movies where I'm like, hey, Guy Ritchie. Good job again. Yeah, it's a real Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, so the description is, an American expat tries to solve his highly profitable marijuana empire in London, triggering plots, schemes, bribery, and blackmail in an attempt to steal his domain from out from under him. Sounds like a Guy Ritchie movie. It sounds like a Guy Ritchie movie, and, and it is, because Guy Ritchie movies are never about what the movie's about. No. They're about the characters that are surrounding the events and the entanglements that they have. Yes. Yeah. And that's what this movie does perfectly. This is... I mean, I love Man from Uncle, but if we're talking like his British crime underbelly yeah. movies, yeah, this snatch. it would go snatch, lock, stock, and then the gentleman for me. You oh, know, really? Yeah. You know who I really liked in this movie? Matthew McConaughey. How you have McConaughey? I like him. He's good. You don't like Matthew McConaughey? I know. He's and like also, chilled. Like he's chilled out just enough in this movie. He and it works. And he is like the American in the movie, and so you should be annoyed because everyone else, like Colin Farrell, play he plays it ugly again. Hugh Grant in this movie is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Hunnam in this movie is one of the leads, and everyone is just perfect for a Guy Ritchie movie. And I know that that may not ask too much because yeah. you just got to be real snappy but and how's, violent. How's Lady Mary in this movie? Oh, so Michelle Dockery in this movie is great. Because Downton Abbey, uh, I, I keep wondering if she's a one-hit wonder. She's crass in this movie and yeah. it's kind of fun to see this movie is <laughs> crass in a british but, way but wow. remember what was that movie king arthur where guy ritchie made a movie like that that was before he did aladdin he's had a weird filmography yeah yeah that's and almost so charlie hunnam has yeah that, so king right? arthur he tried to do this thing where he's like yeah this movie's kind of dull but let's play with time a little bit and take things out of context like i've always done and yeah. so it goes from a to z to c to t you know yeah. and so this movie tells the story so it tells the narrative of what you should care about in the movie the fact that it's being almost narrated like a script in in a conversation yes exactly it's basically spice world (laughs) (laughs) wow so so the modern spice world is my number four movie of the year (laughs) and this is one of these things where the pacing is perfect everything clips along everything in this movie has consequences and when it gets to the end you're like you know what? That, that wrapped up with a bow, but I'm totally satisfied because it feels like early 2000s Guy Ritchie. And so it's a total guilty pleasure. It's not even that great, but I, I've watched it a few times now and I'm like, yeah, it's enjoyable. That You made me happy because I actually just recently showed my wife Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah. I was just about to show her a snatch and then I'm like, did okay. she like Lockstock? She likes it. It's a little okay. harder well, to get into. Snatch is way easier. Well, in the version we have yeah. is a clean fix version, so there's no subtitles. Obviously, and so she's like, she hates accents because she can't understand. Wait until she sees Brad Pitt and Snatch. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. I told her, I'm like, yeah, watch her, Kervin. This one, I think the gentleman is breezier than those two. It is. So she actually might like this one. Okay, more. Definitely rated R. Yeah, definitely a lot of British swear words. A lot of British swear words. A lot of lot of lot of big boy swear words in this one. Yeah. Ooh. All right, and that puts us to your number three, Kent. I rarely put comedies in my top five. Isn't Gentleman kind of a comedy? It is. I laughed. Isn't Mank I laughed com- a ton. Isn't Mank kind of a comedy? I think it's an uncomfortable <laughs> comedy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but my number three is a straight up comedy featuring someone I would never put anywhere near a top 10 mm-hmm. in any way. Jim Parsons. Andy Samberg. What? My oh. number three movie is Palm Springs. I still haven't seen this, but I keep wanting to. I want you to see this movie so bad. I saw a trailer for it the other day. I was like, that's right. I need to watch that. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. That, that sounds, sounds like a typical rom-com Can I, can I just say yeah. from, once again, I have not seen the movie. I've only seen the trailer. It's basically they're stuck in a time loop. It's like Groundhog Day. Okay, because I was wondering if I could ruin things from this movie. That's all in the trailer. Yeah, that's that's right there. Like this the is the tried and true and tired formula of Groundhog Day. Yeah. But the difference is Andy Samberg's character has been living this wedding day that no one wants to be at. I can think of like a few worse events in life, but a wedding day is like one of the worst, <laughs> right? If it's not yours. And yes. he's been in this day maybe a thousand times. Wow. Already when the movie starts. And so you're like, wow. And then when she gets roped in, in a way, you're like, wow, this is different. This feels different. Tomorrow. Yeah. But it adds so many layers and it's so funny. I've never really cared much for, I've never watched How I Met Your Mother, but Christine uh, Miliotti yes. is a scene stealer. She, she was great for what they gave her. <laughs> yeah. The 20 minutes she was on the show. Yeah. Uh, she's fantastic in this movie. I was bummed. So I saw this one at Sundance earlier last year and i was like hey when this movie comes out to theaters this is going to be a smash success and then it went straight to hulu in like june and everyone's like oh palm springs that's pretty cool but that is 2020 (laughs) right yeah but i've seen this one a few times and it's so funny is it crass yeah it's an andy samberg movie produced by andy samberg Mm. but there's like a really nice like deceptive love story in here too Hmm. and obviously the groundhog day elements come into it jk simmons is here as well yeah strangely i know emily loved this one too yeah we saw this one at, at yeah at sundance so yeah, it's fantastic. So watch this one. Be ready for dirty jokes, but ready. still, it feels <laughs> right now, but it just feels nice. So yeah, Palm dirty, Springs. Dirty jokes feel nice? What? The movie feels uh, nice. Okay, okay. All right, Joel, let's move over to you for your number three. My number three is my yeah. only 2020 pick on my top five. <laughs> oh boy. So can you think of all the movies you watched in 2020, which one would I put at my number one? Because it's not what you're thinking. It's not, oh, I know. It's not Tenet. You I know. Really like that. Go. Hamilton. That's right. Oh, it's Hamilton. You have four stars? I did. I did. This is one where I was like, you know, well, actually, I think I may have given this one 4.5. So the 2020 movie about the 2016 musical that was supposed uh, to come out in 2021. Yeah. It was supposed to come out October 2021. Uh, so this is obviously the story of, of Alexander Hamilton. What's his <laughs> name? <It's> Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. Uh, and this is something where we watched it. Uh, I, I'd never seen the play. And so I would never I, listen to the soundtrack. No, I knew the soundtrack. Okay. I'd listened to the soundtrack, but I'd never seen the play. I didn't know when I was going to see the play. And then the, the Disney Plus series, or the Disney Plus It's basically movie. a series because it's, it's three hours it's long. three hours long. But it came out, and I was able to enjoy the play on screen, which isn't the same as watching a live play, but I'll tell you what, it's dang close. Well, you get different uh, angles. You get closer up to their face. So, yes. And I got spit on, which was weird. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. You say that. Um, but here's the thing is this is actually made from uh, three Same. different I performances. It. Um, it was a, a June 6, 2016 performance and another one, and then they did like these setup shots where they would, no audience, just get up on the camera with like a, or get up on the stage with a crane and get in people's faces. But this is one where... I, I think everybody watched this. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, Hamilton's coming out of Disney+. Plus." Everyone was obsessed. And I was like, whatever. And we did a whole bacon bit on it. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly enjoyed it. This, this music has been playing almost constantly in my house since then. Since then? My kids love the Hamilton soundtrack. That is their musical. And I love that they've latched on to musical theater because I'm a big fan myself. Mm-hmm. And so I love it for that, that it's kind of, you know, 
kindled this little fire of, of uh, musical theater in my, in my children. I also really was impressed when I saw it on, on the stage, even after hearing the music. So thoroughly impressed, thoroughly enjoyed it. This is the it's, only 2020 movie that I was like, this is one that deserves What's your desire to rewatch this? I've had it in the background a couple of times, but mm-hmm. the sit down and rewatch, I, I've sat this is down. A good, a, this is a great background show. Oh, it's totally great. Yeah, but that's about it for me. But that's, I, I've watched it all the way through twice. Oh, you have? Okay. So, yes. Mm-hmm. And then partially a number of times after yeah. that. I, I think I've seen it like a, a couple of times, but I'm due for a rewatch on this one. Yeah. It's a good show. So this is one where, yeah, if you haven't seen Hamilton the Musical, this it is a lot of fun to watch. It's just great to see. And it's also good because it's also, and this is dumb, I know, because it's not historically accurate all the way through completely. No. But it also has kindled my kids' love for learning about the revolution and the founding fathers and stuff like that. We've had so many good discussions about it, and I'm like, thank you, Hamilton. They're going to be disappointed when they're all white people. (laughs) 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 Oh, wait. Hashtag America. And they don't sing. And they don't sing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Jefferson can't rap? What? (laughs) Hamilton. Here comes a general... Oh, I could go all day. Uh, oh, oh, I did want to get one more stat. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. On the weekend of the film's release, the Disney Plus app was downloaded 266,000 times, a 72% increase from the past four weeks total. So obviously, this was the reason a lot of people got Disney I Plus. would say between this and near the end of Mandalorian season one is when Disney Plus became a thing. Well, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, well, there's enough episodes of The Mandalorian and now I'll watch Hamilton. Okay. Yeah, I can actually go past my free trial. There's so many people who just didn't, you know, want to watch it just for one show. Right. Yeah. But I mean, even then you're paying like seven ninety nine for one show, which is a lot, but yeah. I mean, it's three hours. So mm-hmm. there yeah. are uh, a total of, uh, yeah, just one show still on Disney Plus that I would watch. So good thing it's, uh, good thing it's they out have there. the X-Men animated series. Is it that so Raven? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really waiting for that Lizzie McGuire reboot. Oh, so. it's not coming out, by the way. Oh, dang it. Sorry. You're going to ruin my year. I'm re- oh, I'm going to ruin your year? <laughs> Joel, what's your number two? <laughs> my number two <laughs> was Kent's number four last year. And I'd actually seen it before we recorded that show, but I couldn't put it on my list because I saw it in How 2020. How did you hold back? It's Joker. It is. 2019. Wait, wait, wait you saw Joker? Was I, it your first movie of it was, it was one of the first movies I watched this year. in twenty. Well, last year in 2020. Can I be honest? If I saw Joker this year, it would have been straight up number one. It would have been. Like, it's just But here's good. the other weird thing, Kent. Yeah. No one talks about this movie anymore. No, you, do, you don't hear people talking about Joker anymore. It's almost like it's kind of been brushed under the nobody rug. ever did. Well, like, like nobody the Oscars. did. Up to the Oscars, it did. Except for the, the Oscars, Oscars, it was like. But even then, it was the conversation leading up to it about, oh, what's it going to do in society? What's it, what's See, the impact going to be? I actually feel after the last Oscars, the world changed so immediately that we don't hear about Parasite or Joker or anything That's that was really true. nominated because the world changed and people went, oh, I don't care about cinema and as it was much right now. I only it care about almost the Almost immediately after, I will tack on to that the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like people. Don't have oh, like, yeah. anything that happened so, in the first you know two and a half months last. So day. that's the thing. I think if movies continue, people would be like, we would have got big budget superhero movies again, and people would be like, that's awesome. But I want to see like a darker, independent like view on a villain like mm-hmm. Joker. Which yeah, that's I was gonna say the whole story we talked about it on last bacon bit. But if you didn't or last uh, year's episode, mm-hmm. but if you want to if you don't know the story of Joker, it's kind of. Uh, well, I'll just read the synopsis. In Gotham City, mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. So it's it's grim. like yeah. this, And it's directed by Todd Phillips, who did Old School, Starsky and Hutch, and The Hangover 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> this guy is, a, is kind of a comedy guy, yeah. and yet he did this one so straightforward and serious. Yeah. And it was impressive to watch. This is very R, uh, bloody violence, disturbing behavior, language, uh, nudity. It's all there. 
um, brief nudity. But then it's on Clearplay. It's on uh, streaming Clearplay and uh, DVD and Blu-ray. You can get it edited there. But the thing I liked about it is that I'm still trying to figure out what was real and what mm-hmm. was not. I talked about this a lot on the last year's episode of this, but I really was impressed. And now the King of Comedy, if you haven't seen that, it's a, uh, Martin, I haven't. a Martin Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. This is very close to that same story. In fact, the whole King of Comedy is about this comedian trying to get on his favorite, this comedian played by Robert De Niro. Who's in this who's movie. Try, who's in this movie, but he's trying to get on his favorite talk show host show as a comedian. Right. And it plays a lot of the same things. Like, it's weird how close it is. And King of Comedy, it's okay. I liked it. Mm -hmm. But Joker, something about it. Because I was worried when this movie was going to come out, Kent. That I was like, what are they going to do? The Joker... We don't need an origin story. We don't need an origin story. We don't need a backstory. That's what makes him a cool villain. But is it an origin story? Is it happening? That's just it. And I liked that. Did you like the end? Did you feel like it... It nailed the landing. It, I think it did only because once again, what's in his, what's in his head, mm-hmm. what's not in his head, like what's real, what's not real. And I like that there can be that discussion of it. And this is, this grossed over $1 billion, the first and only R rated film to do so. And yet it was wow. the, the sixth highest grossing of 2019. Cause that was a big year. Yeah. It, it actually well, got beat by Avengers Endgame, the Lion King, Frozen 2, Spider-Man Far From Home and Captain Marvel. But it did, uh, Joker did beat Rise of Skywalker. Will movies make that kind of money again? Like for the next three years, I think no. so. I think uh, well, once they open the floodgates and like it's all, clear, I don't think so. I think people are too scared. But people want to get back. I think. sure, but it's a percentage, yeah. Mm. So after the performances of the Joker from Heath Ledger and Mark Hamill and Jack Nicholson, like these great performances, the Jared Joker, Leto. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't mention him. But after those great performances of it, I was like, okay, this guy's got some pretty big clown shoes to fill. <laughs> but he did it. It's Joaquin Phoenix. He yeah. did it yeah. very well. And as much as I, he's kind of a nut. Yes. And that's just it. Him on the screen, I was worried that he was going to come off the screen and get me. Straight up. It is yeah. the ring. It's very scary for that reason. And the score is fantastic. Well, I was going to say, the, the, what sets this movie apart for me, like the story is, is fine and it's interesting and it's got a kind of a cliche twist uh, if yeah. you will like is it real or is it not right i get that but this is the three the three elements of walking phoenix performance is amazing mm-hmm. the cinematography is outstanding yeah and the score is next level oh, it's so, it's good. Good. You, so good you know the, the person who did the score i think when you combined it it sounded right but yeah that was my number two of last year was ken's number four of the great pick yeah good good choice love that movie Joel, I'd like to apologize for previous years on this specific episode when I've uh, mocked you for your rules. <laughs> You're putting a not 2020 movie here. Correct. <gasps> what? Kent did it. He so, caved. My number two movie. <laughs> of 2021. <laughs> that I saw in 2020, but will not be released wide. Oh, okay. So you saw it in 2020, but it's... it's I actually, saw this one at Sundance. It will not be released until summer of 2021 it's called nine days oh this was the one this is the one yeah so a reclusive man conducts a series of interviews with human souls for a chance to be born now i actually kind of feel bad because soul came out and it's kind of about death and pre-earth and uh body swapping where where do we come from comedy where are we going yeah and jazz music it's a lot of things damien chazelle this is one thing where People are going to be like, oh, that movie's kind of like Soul. Because when I saw this one, I said, no other movie's done this concept. Oh, this is, and now it's got the, the Yeah, and it's got the, the kind of Pixar yeah. stain on it. Well, pff, I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> and so this movie, it's so it's Winston Duke. And he's interviewing 
souls, but it's just people coming to this small home in the middle of some desert, it almost feels like. And he has TVs that he's watching. I'll say it this way. He's a guardian angel that chooses to give you the chance to be born and then make your own decisions. And he's over, let's say, 20 people. And so he has an opening to be born Mm -hmm. on Earth. And he goes, okay, I'm going to interview 10 people, and they have nine days to prove to me that they want to be born and that they will make a difference now, Ken, in their life. You you have explained this movie to me after you yes. saw the Sundance. I've watched the trailer for this movie. I still don't get it. It's so artsy that it's trying to distract you with just like the the big score and the big ideas. And because when you watch this movie, some of the concepts are scary. These souls want to be born, but they're not given the chance to. The theology is a little bit strange. Okay. And I say theology in a movie like this because it fits. Hmm. It's not quite any specific religion, but it feels reminiscent of many. And that's why I think this may, you'll see this one at end of next year of like, okay, if that wasn't one of the 10 best movies of the year, at least it had a profound influence on. um, Didn't that already come out though with Kevin Spacey as a cat? (laughs) Nine Lives. lives. Oh, that's it. That's it. Christopher Plummer actually played the cat. (laughs) So I don't know if he does this. This almost feels like, you know that Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life? Yeah. Which is weird, right? It's it's like the the pre-mortal version of that. Yeah, right. And so, and that is a clever movie, like becomes kind of this weird romantic comedy thing. Yeah. Yeah. This one kind of is... There's no comedy to it. No. It's it's devastating at parts, but all the actors here, you, so you have Benedict Wong, uh, Zazie Beetz, who's in Joker, Tony Hale, Bill Skarsgård, hmm. so many great actors here. Okay. And it's just an inner, like a Q&A thing. And sometimes you watch TV screens of people living their lives and you see the hardship. So whereas Soul is like, hey, what's your purpose? This movie is like, hey, when you are born, life's going to be hard, but I think you can do it. So you're chosen for this reason or that reason. Hmm. And it is touching. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. So it's my number two. Feels wrong because it doesn't come out. It didn't come out in 2020. It was seen in theaters in 2020. Yes. So maybe it sort of counts. Okay. So, but counts. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Then I take back my apology. I renounce my apology. Nope. (laughs) Before we get Max Lord, we need to to move forward with your honorable mentions for the year. Before I have many. So a son. You can find this one on Netflix. It's a Korean family drama. Another round, Mads Mikkelsen drinks a lot of beer in this movie, and it's a Danish film. It's cool. fantastic. <laughs> That's a great pitch, kid. It's it's actually so fun. Nomadland, this is one you're going to hear about around Oscars. Is that Francis McDormand? Yes. Yeah. Uh, His House, which is on Netflix now. It's a scary movie. It's a movie. ghost movie. Yeah, yeah it's a ghost movie. Wolfwalkers, this one is on Apple+. Plus. My yes. kids watched that without me. Oh, why? Uh, because I was, I was that is working. like a total I was pizza working. movie night movie. They they watched it, and it is now one of my it's my daughter's favorite movie. She told me that. So, Secret of Kellis, which we watched, yep. uh, Song of the Sea. Yep. It is the same crew. It is the end of their Irish trilogy. Yeah, it's like an anime. It's it's really uniquely animated movies. With you see the pencil lines stories. in yeah. the animation. It's cool and it's beautiful. Underwater, guilty pleasure with Kristen Stewart. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Again, you're doing a weird horror movie. Yeah. Uh, Sound of Metal, One Night in Miami, The Way Back, The Father, and News of the World. I can go into descriptions of each of these. I can't believe you had that many. Uh, News of the World has Tom Hanks. It's a Western. Yeah. Uh, The Father, Anthony Hopkins, as a... He's uh, got uh, dementia. Yeah, he has dementia. Mm -hmm. And it is crazy awesome. A lot it's of such trailers, a cool experimental movie. Chris Hemsworth in that one? No. Yeah, you can, <laughs> Stop that. You can find... I was going to say, you can find a lot of these trailers online. A lot of them are being released now. Yes. 
And a lot of these movies will come out in the next two weeks because they've been waiting till January yeah. because they are Oscar picks. Yeah. Other way back has Ben Affleck as an alcoholic. Right. And it is actually he's a, a really... Is that basketball? Uh, yeah, he's a Catholic sc- uh, boys school yeah, basketball couch. Yeah, bit, yeah. Couch or coach. <laughs> and it's a, a couch. basketball couch. He's drunk. <laughs> ben Affleck plays a couch. <laughs> He voices. He can do it. He can do it. His couch blinks a lot. What's going on? And it's actually it's incredibly touching and sad. And then one night in Miami is a one night with Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and James. It's like a million dollar quartet. Yeah, and it is. It's an incredible movie but where the dialogue is so good. It, I mean, that's totally fictional, though. It was, yeah, it is it was fictional. like a what if these yeah. guys met together one night yeah. in Miami. And Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime. Like a a like lot a of these movies are available right now yeah, you can for streaming. Them. Yeah. So that, those are my many, many, like I said, I'm at the end of the you year. Put that many. And I could have made these any one of these uh, top five or top ten, but yeah, a lot of honorable mentions. How about you, Joel? Mono mentions once again from any year. Uh, American Animals, two thousand eighteen. Oh, I uh, that love was that a, movie. A heist movie based on true events that was about really stealing fun. a book from a library. Yeah, it was really good. Cool. Uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. Surprisingly, yeah, so good. it could have been very schmaltzy, but it was actually very sincere. I'm like, thank you. Uh, Nineteen seventeen. I was impressed by that one. I saw that one this year. Still haven't seen that. Uh, one. Jumanji: The Next Level, which is basically the same movie as nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Top Hat. Uh, Fred Astaire movie that was really, okay. really cute. I really liked enjoy that one. Run Silent, Run Deep, and Stalag 17, both World War II movies that Your I, dad loves those, my dad right? read, And I was like really impressed by them. So thanks, Dad. Uh, Orphan made my list, 2009. <laughs> yeah. Guilty Pleasure? Not, what? Guilty Pleasure? Did not see that coming. I yeah. thought I knew the twist. I did not Can't know the twist. There. Don't say it. Uh, Crawl made my honorable yes, mention. Yes, nice. I love Crawl. <laughs> that was in your top five last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Queen, 2006. Remember that one That's about uh, Princess Diana's death? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, Helen Mirren. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was really, really muted performances, but wow, that was compelling to watch. Yeah. And then The Thief of Baghdad, which was a yeah. 1940s fantasy film. That was the one where it has... Uh, I didn't know you loved this one. There's a character named Abu. There's a character named Jafar. Yeah. There's a sultan. Like It's all kind of... There's Jasmine, but it's all there. These elements are there. But I was really impressed by how visual effects worked in this 1940s movie. So they, they swung for the fences on this one, and I think they nailed it. But it didn't quite make my top uh, five, or even my top ten. In fact, if you want to see my top ten, you can go to theformer786.blogspot.com because the only time I update my blog is to give my top ten movies of the year. Okay. So. Is there going to be an update this year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it all almost set. I'll, I'll got it ready to go by the time this comes out. All right, Kent, your number one of 2020. Joel, could I get some Hans Zimmer in the background? I knew it. Armed only one or ten in a fighting first. What? Nobody understood you. I'm kicking myself right now. I'm kicking myself right now. How did you not know? Because I should have guessed this was your number one. I This is one I've debated. So I've gone back to rewatch every movie I've considered a top 15. Gone backwards to watch? Exactly. And so I have seen this one twice in the theaters, once IMAX, regular theater, and then at home with subtitles on my big screen TV. Thanks, Zach. Yep. And it got better every single time. I need to watch this one again. Also, before anybody says anything, we know that Hans Zimmer didn't do the music for this movie, right? No, he didn't. No, yeah. he didn't. But I mean, you had to have the Hans Zimmer-esque yeah. feel. Well, we know and you Han- actually came out with a ten- soundtrack. Good. Yeah. I was going to say that. I was going to say, we also know that Hans Zimmer didn't do the boah. That wasn't him. That was someone else. That was Zach. Uh, what's his name? Hennessy. Was it? Sure. We yeah. are giving Zimmer way too much credit. We are. I actually think he's I not. give him credit for Pirates. He didn't do Pirates. That was Klaus Bedelt. What? Yeah. I, I, Junkie XL. <laughs> Hans Zimmer's just Are a we hit. doing the Hans Zimmer hate show? Hans Zimmer's yeah. a hack. Go on. He's pretty good. 
He didn't do a great job on Wonder Woman 84, but he's pretty good. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay. So I could go on about why I love this movie, and it more sounds like I'm defending it because having rewatched it, I'm like, yeah, the protagonist isn't really a character, but it's almost like this is Nolan's Bond film because yeah. you could just put a stamp of James Bond. You're basically saying the protagonist. This is a man who gave up his life and it is character consistent through the movie. He doesn't need a character because he is dead. He is dead and he is meant to. Are you spoiling this, Kent? No, well, he's not dead. He's not a ghost in the movie, <laughs> but he's he's on this mission. He's black ops, if you will. I actually get more and more into the characters. And granted, I understand the story a whole lot more yeah. with subtitles now. Yeah. Uh, the first time we saw this in the theater, I was I got a headache, to be honest, because it felt like it was hitting me so fast, like with plot and exposition, like a Nolan movie does. Where I'm like, oh, I couldn't really follow that part or that part. Like what happened here? And you could hear us kind of break it down on the bacon bit we did where I'm like, I didn't catch that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas second time around, I caught the parts you mentioned, but then more. Okay. And then different layers. And I'm watching Neil, played by Robert Pattinson the whole time, being like, how many of him are there? Best at this part point? of the movie. And so this is a movie, and this once again, it's such a Nolan thing to do, but it's a temporal pincer within a temporal pincer within a temporal pincer. And even using the term temporal pincer one more time. Temporal pincer in a movie should be so dumb. But Nolan, I think, overthought this movie so much to say, hey, when people actually understand this, they're not gonna find a hole here. Well because that's what he's done. But here's the thing, Ken. Yes. Is that this movie, I think, is getting unjustified dislike. I wouldn't say hate. It was until recently when movie theaters are still shut down. But it was the movie that was meant to save theaters. But that's the thing. People, I think people are unfairly bashing on it because they're like, yeah, it didn't do as good as he thought it was going to. And I'm like, no one was going to movies and it still made like $300 million. Uh, $450, I believe. Yeah. And so I'm like, it made money. Uh, didn't get its budget back, though, did it? Did it, did it make uh, a profit? Well, if you doubled the budget, no. Yeah, because that's the thing is, I know that it, it didn't do as big as they wanted to, but I'm still like, it did very well for yeah, a movie I, in the pandemic. Adjusted for pandemic, it's done really well. Adjusted for pandemic. Yeah. And like granted, that. some people may see this, uh, many people, especially this year where it is like such like short-term memory loss, they may see this movie and say, okay, that didn't click with me. I saw it once. It was two and a half hours. I'm not going to watch it again. This is not one of those spoon-fed single serving no. movies but right. i also think it's a movie where uh, much like inception where if you tell somebody this movie's hard to understand that most people don't get this movie a lot of people don't like it that's actually a challenge for a lot of people and they may go into it going i don't know what the big deal was like i, I see where it was going mm -hmm. so eh. yeah and strangely and i don't know if i have less sound i obviously do at home it wasn't a loud movie i could hear and granted i was reading too i could hear every line too which is weird. IMAX ruined the experience for I me. I really think IMAX was kind of a bad idea. Also, when, when we left the movie and Zach started driving his car backwards through the parking lot, <laughs> totally threw me off. <laughs> and I kind of hate you for it. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, everyone knew when a Nolan movie comes out in a year, it's going to be my favorite. And truly, thankfully, upon third viewing, because I wasn't sure after viewing two, I was still like, that's a B plus. It became an A minus and my favorite movie of 2020. I'm worried, though, Ken. I'm worried that you put yourself in a position now that even when Nolan makes a misstep, because he will one day. He Ken. will. That you're going to still, because of In fact, of many pride, would consider this to be it. This is the closest thing in a while. But that's the thing. I think your pride will still make you go, no, it was great. It was great. I, I, can't no, admit, I don't like it. If I can evaluate a movie where I want to know more about it, 
uh, that a movie stays with me. That's easily a top 10 movie for me. The one that like I won't forget about immediately. I've had a lot of discussion about Wonder Woman 1984, Kent. Oh, Does that mean it belongs in No, the that movie list? I still forgotten about, though. See, to me, that <laughs> yeah. is a forgettable movie. That didn't, make, that didn't make our worst, and it didn't make our best. No. It's, to me, it's as average as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think between... Uh, what was this? Dunkirk? Yeah. A lot of people didn't love Dunkirk either. That's so true. Nolan, based on the way he tells a story. Yeah, Nolan yeah. might be back to like imagine, hipster status for you. Can you imagine Nolan reading stories to his kids at night? <laughs> Fucking pages all around. <laughs> hey, it's called Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> no, he's, Except he's, for he starts he's at the reading, end. Like there's a monster at the end of this book, and he starts with the, the monster, giant and then ant jumps just back to the ate front. you. Jump to page one. <laughs> the pa- and the broom of the, the witch's broom broke. Flip yeah. forward. By the way, and Zach, then the, she's you call Nolan hipster. Made me a little excited. I mean, that's the thing, though. <laughs> is he? I mean, that's what's most said. profitable directors out but, there. But the I kind of blushed a little but bit. The <laughs> fact that the the it didn't go forward, right? I don't think he's gonna be in like the Spielberg territory where every year it's this big thing. I think he's sort of found this niche of like, no, it's not gonna be a digestible blockbuster movie, and it's maybe better that way. Yeah, hmm. that's how I feel. All right, Joel. Joel, I'm dying. What's your, your number, number one, one movie My number that you one saw movie. in 2020 that came out in 1987? This is an odd pick. Okay. Because this may not be a movie that I'll be like, I'll throw this on any time and I'll love it. But I probably had more conversations about this movie than any other movie this past year. And it was Kent's number three last year. Parasite? Parasite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't know how to explain this movie. It, it's a drama. Mm-hmm. It's a thriller. It's a comedy. It's kind of everything. It's all and horror elements. That, that put in the thriller. Yeah, so I was sure. like, there's that one part that was very mm-hmm. creepy. But uh, let me read the synopsis. Greed and class discrimination threatened the newly formed symbiotic relationship between wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan, which makes it sound really cerebral. And it's not, but it is. It, it's so interesting to watch because you watch this, this poor family as they fake being a tutor, an English tutor, mm-hmm. and then they fake being a driver, and they fake being a psychiatrist. Like, they kind of all work their way into this family's home. And I thought I knew where the movie was kind of going, and then Halfway it took through. a sharp left. As soon as the doorbell rings. And I'm like, what, what is happening right now? And all of a sudden, it became a completely different movie, but still so compelling. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes another completely different movie, and I'm still just totally enthralled by this. <laughs> And the whole time I'm watching it, and this is a Korean movie, like, you know, it's subtitled. And, and it's one of those movies where I'm like, this is one I'd love to show people because I'm like, look, foreign films can hold your attention the whole time. Because some yeah. people don't have any patience for them. And I'm like, there's some really good movies out there that you should give a chance. And I feel, I feel a little icky picking this as my number one because this was this one. Such a best, darling. This one best picture. Yeah. The first foreign film to ever win best picture. It's that and good. I, but that's the thing is, I, my wife and I had a very long conversation after this, after this movie was over. And subsequent days after, we were still talking about this movie. And I keep thinking about how this movie affected me because I was completely caught off guard and I loved every minute of it, being yeah. caught off guard. Because mm-hmm. not many movies can do that anymore. Now, this, this may rub some people the wrong way because it is unusual. Yeah. But I love that you It doesn't have, end quite the way you'd want it to either. No, and that's thing. I had I had some issues with the ending, which right. my wife and I have discussed at ad, ad nauseum. But I love that it's a movie with protagonists you can't fully like and antagonists you don't really hate. Right. I don't agree with every decision this movie made, but wow, it was fun to watch. And I say fun loosely. It's not like, ha ha, I'm loving this. It was more like, that was a really cool ride. So Parasite is one of those movies, if you haven't seen it yet, 
I do recommend you do watch it. It is rated R for for minor language and some violence. It's really fairly tame. Mm-hmm. Implied. <laughs> yeah, but there, but there's this clear play streaming and VidAngel. Like you can you can find it and just meet up those couple little things, and it's just a compelling watch. Zach, have you seen this one? Not yet. Get I on that. To. There's yeah. so many. Get on that I parasite. Okay. Wow, that sounded gross. <laughs> so there you go. So, Zach, you want to read us back what our uh, top five and bottom five were so we can recap that for the listener? Okay. Starting with you, Kent, you have at five, Doolittle, then Antebellum, Fantasy Island, Coffee and Kareem, and Artemis Fowl. Was that, was that your best or worst, Kent? Oh, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Joel, yours started with Artemis Fowl, then you had Night Train, 1941, Casino Royale, and Jason Takes Manhattan, Friday the 13th, <laughs> 8. I love that list so much. So terrible. <laughs> and then for your top... We have with you again, Kent, Mank, The Gentleman, Palm Springs, Nine Days, and Tenet. There we go. And Joel, Sullivan's Travels, Aaron Brockovich, Hamilton, Joker, and Parasite. We and do I got to say, based on that list, Joel, you win. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing oh, is, picking like, from every year, is there an I advantage nor- there? <laughs> Ken and I normally have some crossover, at least one or two, but mm-hmm. it's just funny how we didn't have any this year. Yeah, it's true. Year. Although I crossed over your last year's list. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So there good, you go. Good work, gentlemen. So let you us watch the movies. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and let us know what movies you enjoyed or didn't enjoy last year. Give us your best and your worst on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. We will be there. We're back. So let us know because we love hearing from you guys. Absolutely. Before we go, uh, we'd like to thank our patrons. In particular, the I Am The Listener tier, which includes Terry Finley, Sweet Bottom Cakes, Jessica Drought, Sean Sanquist, Plot Twist Media, Kyler wishes all the lowercase listeners a Merry Christmas. Probably not change that, Kyler. <laughs> Jeff Gukowski, Glow Clint Daniel, Crew Dutler, Braden Winterton, Babs, Alicia Bass, and Adrian Gray. We also have our Bacon Council, which includes The Shadow, Stephen Ross, what? Ryan Farron, Mats, uh, Chris Anderson, Jessica Terry, Hailstorm, Brian Madsen, and Reverse Listener. Thank you so much for being patrons. We really do appreciate Definitely it. Definitely do. You help us keep doing what we're doing. Thank you. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with QuickWits. They're performing online for free. For more details, go to qwcom or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at TumblingMustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Go ahead and like the page on Facebook and also go to Twitter and Instagram at Bacon Sale. And while you're doing that, stop by tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale and get yourself some merch. There may be some more fun things on the way. I've been saying that for months, but it <laughs> might be true this time. Might be true. And also, if you like what's going on and you want to support the show and get a little bit of uh, extra fun as well, go to patreon.com slash bacon sale, where you can get everything from a text conversation that randomly turned into a fake bacon bit <laughs> to uh, a weekly bacon. Well, not weekly, but sometimes they happen. Semi-regular. Semi-regular bacon bits. Uh, where we talk about whatever we feel like for 10 to 45 minutes. <laughs> that sounds all right. So until next time. Bacon Cell has grown a lot In the six years since we began This was the first episode of season seven I know it's all for me. If you steal my sunshine, something you are stealing my TV. <laughs> I never know the lyrics. Nobody knows the words. We did date casually, yeah. right? There was no title with our relationship, as there never is with yours. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha!
<laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait. <laughs> Wait. What's happening? I'm drunk with power. And it's Where's just your a precious calendar thing? now, Ken. It's destroyed, Joel, okay? Is that what you want to know? Yes. Ma, they're sending me no screeners. <laughs> First world Utah film critics problems right here. This sandwich needs to make sense. It's basically Spice World. Lurs! Oh, Lurs. First Lurs of the year. Yes. Isn't it just called A now? Is this yeah. the John Wick movie? Yeah, Steve Zahn. I like Steve Zahn. Mm -hmm. I want to watch movies with Steve Zahn in them. What are you dating? But it's 1979 PG. So there's like six F words in it. No, it's mostly just nudity. Just like that. But smile. Don't smell Fantasy Island. Legit. Who are his parents? Yeah. Martin Scorsese's his parents? <laughs> Smirch and hate it. Fun fact, James Corden's never been funny. Wow, Zach's coming out of 2021 with some James Corden thing. <laughs> I'm like grading on the curve. I'm like, it's like you're These dating movies life. are so good. More like Artemis Fowl, am I right? <laughs>